Here we are, here we stay and stand. This is Ain't Nobody Checking For Me podcast. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. And I'm Cody Wilkins. Uh, listeners, I say it every time, but I'm so happy you're here pushing back against the self-fulfilling prophecy of the title of our pod. Ain't Nobody Checking For Me. Rachel, I'm glad to be here. How are you? How, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm feeling... I'm feeling very mature. I'm checking for like 30, flirty and thriving energy a little bit. Maybe not thriving because I am <laughs> wearing a, a wrist brace. Uh, what happened? The old carpal tunnel. Uh, that You know, that's kind of just what I call all wrist pain. It's like someone hurts the wrist, so that's that carpal tunnel. Gets every mm-hmm. time, you know what I mean? I don't know. Too many chaturangas and yoga, something. But uh, but alas, I am wearing a wrist brace. So don't anyone get too horny out there. Sorry about that, which came out of my mouth. Um, I also just started a group text with me, uh, my girlfriend and our dog trainer. And I deadass referred to myself as Indy the Pitbull's mom. Um, so- <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. That see, I understand now why your wrist is all fucked up. You've been clickety clack tickety tapping on the phone, <laughs> chatting with the dog trainer. It took on a whole new persona. Indy the Indy the Pitbull's mom is really trying to tickety text her way to figure out how to train this pup. You know, it's true. I'm gonna need the pandemic to end before I become a 45 year old woman. It's just suddenly <laughs> happening. But I guess there's worse things. Uh, how are you, Cody? You know, I was so excited. Uh, a couple days ago, because someone checked for me in a way that I thought was professionally. What do you need me to do? How much time is it going to take? And what is the rate for your boy? Because I'm available. And they said, oh, no, well, the, um, <laughs> so it's a volunteer opportunity that we were hoping you would do. And it really changed the tone of the entire interaction, you know? Um, the best way to, to, describe it as there's a small award show that asked me to help rate shows that exist that that did a piece. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is all of the shows that I would be judging have rejected me. So it's weird. It's weird to be in this position to be judging people who have judged me and decided that I shouldn't exactly be in the room. And I felt like if I were one of them, I would be really upset to hear that I was being judged by a person who was thoroughly like unequipped to do my job. You know, they voluntold you to work for free and then relive the trauma of your rejection over right. and over and over again. <laughs> voluntold wow. me. Yeah, they tur- my whole ego got turned inside out. And I realized I should have never taken it out of the box under the bed for the excitement of a subject line, you know? The flip side of it is they think that you are so damn checked for, so damn locked, loaded, and 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 with a plethora of good finances that you can volunteer your time. They right. think you don't even need the money. I mean, right. what a way to what a way to exist. 
Oh, man. But here's what I got to say is the guest, the guest that we do have coming up, coming up. He's just right outside the door, so to speak. The guest that we do have coming up is checked for. He is booked. He is busy. So don't even try to call him, beep him. If you want to reach him, he will answer you. He's a very nice man, but he shouldn't because he doesn't have the time for it. Ladies and gentlemen and other people who might not be binary, you are gonna have to wait to who to hear who our guest is because you know the beats gotta come in yeah i've been told i talk a lot but when the vibe is right i want to keep you right here i heard you say right around the block i got some sugar come over and you can get it right here you laugh it off so soft i try to keep my clothes from coming off damn you got me it's so exciting that you don't Just met you, but I'm trying to get it up. I mean, get up with you. Does that sound cool with you? I'm not your bro with Jesus. I like, can't you stop calling me this when I Oh, wow. Here we are. We are back in the virtual studio with our very good friend, our very talented friend, Will Miles. He is an extremely frequently working comedian, TV writer, actor, producer, and new dad. Okay. Hashtag girl dad. Kobe. <laughs> Will Miles is Kobe. No, that, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> he's written on shows like Grownish, Sherman Showcase, the All That Reboot, Comedy Central, Southside, and we could read you the rest, but I'm tired. Will, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. What's up, y'all? <laughs> Yo, it, it's great to see you, man, even in the virtual space, because I feel like you are one of the first faces I remember when I was getting started back in my stand-up career. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember back in like 2011, Jokes and Notes, Southside Chicago, 47th and King. Uh, and I remember you had kind of been in it and we're working already making your way kind of through the ranks. So uh, I guess take us back to the beginning, man. When did the journey for you in this comedy world begin? Man, it started, uh, probably, I mean, well, I didn't say a joke on stage probably as a comedian until 2007, but I was doing, uh, I mean, I did improv from 05 to 07, but does that count? I don't know. <laughs> 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 I like said jokes, I said jokes on stage, but they would be like too jokey. Don't say jokes. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like two years of that at Improv Olympic, and I really I took Improv Olympic because I didn't know what to do or how to start stand up. And I was like in college, and uh, my buddy Clark Jones, fellow Whitney Young comedian in Chicago, also uh, <laughs> he he was hosting. He was on the SGA at Morehouse, and he was doing like a uh, event about why I love black women or something. And somebody dropped out last minute. And I had already said, like, you know, I, I watched Killing Him Softly, and I was like, I really want to do stand-up. Mm -hmm. like, when I came out, I was, I was like, dead set on it, because I was like, oh, man, this guy's saying shit that I feel like I would say if I was doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. So right. it was cool. the first time I'd really seen that. And I was like, damn, this guy loves hip-hop. He, like, has one white friend. <laughs> 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 he, like, teeters between going to the hood and, and then, uh, like, you know, going to, like, the other parts of the city. But it was DC. But I was like, I, I relate to this a lot. And so from that day, I was like, I really want to do stand up. And then uh, Clark knew that, and he was like, All right, somebody dropped out last minute for this event. You want to jump in? And I was already stoned out of my mind. And I was like, I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I just stood up there, and it was like, I mean, it was like a Morehouse SGA back then. I mean, I'm sure it's the same now, but 
right now, like our SGA is all over TV. It's like Bakari Sellers and uh, Lee Merritt, who does all the, like the, the lawyer. And then like, uh, sorry, educate me real quick. What is the SGA? The Student Gregarious Association? <laughs> And it was like, yeah, I remember one year Lee Merritt ran against Clark and Bakari Sellers and Bakari won. Wow. And then he immediately went into politics. But it was like that, like all, all of those people were around. And Michael Sterling was like sitting next to me. Wow. And he ran for mayor of Atlanta. He's now married yeah. to Eve from uh, Next Top Model, who we all went to college with as well. But it was it was very, very strange. Like I was I was out of place. Sure. And I was just talking about like my mom the whole time. <laughs> now, I mean, it's like, I love my mom. I mean, I'm here. We're at Spelman. I mean, what the fuck? Everybody... <laughs> you, you can look around and see why I love black women. <laughs> and everybody was just laughing. And Michael was, I remember Michael next to me just dying. Like, I don't even, this is funny that you're even here. Like, he was, this is a future mayoral candidate. He's looking at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> How am I on this panel with this high dude eating pizza? <laughs> and so that kind of sparked it where I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I knew I said it before, but like, this is definitely what I want to do. And nice. then uh, I did, I saw like the Chris Farley, um, E True Hollywood story. And I remember Chappelle saying like he took improv in high school. And I was like, all right, well, if Chris Farley took it at Improv Olympic, I'm going to do that same shit. And I went there for two years. And then one of the teachers there told me like, you know, you got a lot of jokes and it seems like you really just want to do stand up. And I don't know necessarily why what you're doing here. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> said, "Well, you you can't say yes and and then do a five minute bit. That's not <laughs> yeah. what improv is." In fact, it is the worst to do scenes with people like that. From exactly, what yeah. I remember. <laughs> they were like very not happy about my. <laughs> and I I have like a tape somewhere of me when you do the Armando. I think when you talk, mm. like tell a story. And that was where I shined and everything else I was like trying to act. And I'm like, even still, I feel like I'm not a very good actor at all. IMDb would disagree, but okay. I know, right? right? <laughs> You've been booking for a bad actor, just saying. You, you, hear, you heard it here first, kids. You don't have to be good to be successful. <laughs> Sometimes it's a look, I'll say that. <laughs> a lot of times you're playing yourself, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played myself on Crashing. That was the easiest job I had so far, <laughs> but. But it was like, yeah, that that was uh, that was the spark. And then I got on stage, and then I was like, I had like known Hannibal a little bit, and before that, because somebody was like, oh, you guys went to high school together. I was like, I do. That's not true. It turns out he, he, he went to Whitney Hall. He went to Whitney Hall a year, I think. Yeah, he was at years. Yeah, and then he went to Steinmetz. So I was like, oh, that's why. Like my Aki friends knew him, but I didn't. But they were all like, you know, he already does stand up. You guys should link up. And we did, and he just was like, kind of like, always being like, "Yeah, you should do this." And I'm like, "Oh, great, I'll do that." Right, right. And then when uh really started being good, that's when he like was like, "All right, now you're actually good. Do you want to open for me at this place?" Mm -hmm. And that was around 20, 2010, 2011. So right. that's kind of when I saw you. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm already. I'm at jokes and notes. I'm already right for Hannibal. I've opened for like Felipe Esparza. It was like all." Oh, once you open for the one person, for me, it was like, oh, yeah, now I'm in this club sort of at Zany's. And that, that sort of sparked my next shit after that. Right. And from there, 
obviously you transitioned into TV writing as well. Did that feel pretty seamless At, when you began? Was it like, oh, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to get there, or was it just like, oh shit, I do this one thing really well. The skill set also transfers here. Yeah, it was more of that. I didn't even know I wanted to do TV writing. Mm-hmm. until um, Chris Gethard was like, you want to write for the show? And I was like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he, that, even that was the process because I didn't know I wanted to do it. So like he was he was calling me about writing for a week because uh-huh. he, you know, every a lot of people, he had done one too, but a lot of people do that week at SNL where like they hire you for a week to see if you're oh, good. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought... You meant he was calling you for a week, asking you to take a writing job. And I was like, Will, were you high then too? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, call back later. That would be the entitlement of that girl with the daddy hat, but that's not right. <laughs> uh, oh my God. <laughs> not me though. No, no. He was, he was, he called. He was like, I got a week. You can come in for a week for Chris Gethard show season one on Fusion. And I was already on the road. So I was like, it was a weird mindset I had had because I was so stand-up based that I was like, nah, man, I, I'm sorry. I'm on the road. I can't do it. Right. And then looking back, it was ridiculous to say that. But <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. like afterwards, I, I realized I was talking to my now wife and, and she was like, you should, uh, should really rethink that. <laughs> 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 and so I, I thought about it for like all the whole time after that, after he offered, I was like, damn, I really turned down a writing job. That's not right. good. And so then I was, uh, the next year, he was like, all right, I'm going to come back out to you. Right. But now you have to, like, do a packet and stuff. But we do already like you, so you should know that. But, like, you're going to have to do a packet now. I can't just offer you the job. Right. <laughs> so yeah, then oh, I, yeah, yeah, no, no, cool, yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did that, and that was, like, the big, that was, uh, that would change my whole everything. Where I was like, oh, now I'm a writer. I, I can do this writing thing. Well, before we get too deep off into the the big successes, uh, I want to focus on origins just for a second because you you grew up in and got some early reps in Chicago. Sounds like yeah. you formulated a crew in the city, and I know I'm biased, but if you look around, there are so many funny working stand ups and writers who are either from or come through Chicago. And I'm not just talking about Tina Fey and the other white people who could afford Second City classes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about all sorts of folks. So, what do you think? it is about Chicago that injects people with, or like cultivates this sense of humor or am I just crazy? No, you're absolutely right. You're hundred percent right. We are, I don't know. I think I've always said like, because we're the second city, we got that little chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, we're not New York, but we'll prove we're better than you. <laughs> right. right. Like we grew up with nothing but champions and we still were like, you know, fuck that. You're mm-hmm. just not respecting us. New York Knicks. Even though we won six, <laughs> but it's like you still look at us as just the secondary bulls. It's like we're we're literally the winners of every championship in the '90s, pretty much, or we were at least there for most of them. So it's like, but we got that chip on our shoulder, and then the fact that there was no opportunities back when we all started. I think there are now. Well, there's no opportunities anywhere now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, all those opportunities that are so yeah. amazing. <laughs> Before pandemic, though, I feel like people were really checking for Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they weren't back in the day. So everybody, like, from all the way back in the day, including, like, Kumail even, I mean, people are talking about him now. But I'm like, that dude came from Pakistan and fucking 
started doing Chicago shows to no to like no industry at all. Right. And then he's now like big, but you don't people don't even know like that took a lot from barely like I'm, I mean I don't I'm pretty sure I remember people saying like oh his English wasn't even that great when he first started and it's like yeah but now look at him he's like a Marvel superstar. He's a leading man. I know he's leading man. He's a statue, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. It's like that dude worked hard. He works hard as hell. But everybody back then worked hard as hell. And it was, I think the goal for Chicagoans, as far as comedy, was like, just be funny. Because it was all you could be. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be funny and then I'm going to work all these clubs. And that's my goal. And then I'll maybe travel to like Wisconsin or Michigan. And then right. I'll just be funny there. But we didn't have like the goal of like, I'm going to get on TV or all this shit. Because we didn't know it. And people weren't trying and to get on TV. They were just trying to get on 95. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The highway? <laughs> <laughs> was that a Dan Ryan joke? I thought it might. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. For our listeners, we have four CPS Chicago kids in the virtual studio right now. And um, just for people, people may or may not care. Actually, me, Cody, and Will all went to the same high school, which is Whitney Young Magnet High School. Will, I can tell you, like, I feel like when me and Cody were at Whitney Young, we were like clowning with each, like doing our. Talk quick five to each other in Red House, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. do you feel like you were kind of like a goofy back then, like in your Whitney Young days? Like, do you feel like for your, for your classmates, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense for him? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> I think they're like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't talk a lot. I mean, I still don't really talk much unless I'm like on a podcast. Right. But I'd uh I'd never really spoke much back in the day. I was always like the background kid. I was a graffiti artist, so I'd I would do like I'd be ingratiated in all the hip hop crews and stuff because I would draw a lot. But then I like senior year is when people started to notice I was funny, I think. Maybe I was on a soccer team sophomore year and I think they could tell then, but I always like said low key shit and then right. <laughs> like like the first half of the table, it would be like Red House, Blue House, Gold House. I was Green House. But my senior year, everybody who I knew had graduated already. Mm. Or a lot of people, I should say, had graduated. So I remember one day I was in Gold House and I was just saying nonstop jokes at the table. You're like, damn, I'm crushing it in Gold House right now. (laughs) (laughs) And this girl, Allison Benefico, was next to me and she was like, hey, wait, hold on. Nobody's listening to Will, though. He's like this three people over here who can hear him are cracking up, but nobody else can hear. <laughs> and so then I was like, oh, I guess I should like be louder. I don't know. Like <laughs> I've got comments on everything you guys are saying, but only these two can hear. So I don't, I don't know. Like I tell the whole table. And then I started telling the whole table and then from there it grew. But like, I was definitely the, like if you were, if you were hanging out one-on-one, it would be funny. Or like at lunchtime, I was funny. If we like, were walking to like get bocce's or something, but right. It was never uh, shout out Bachi's five dollar pizza. Shout out Bachi's. <laughs> I was gonna say shout out Bachi's. A whole four smoke size slice. Wow, of pizza. honestly, Bachi's in the pizza truck. Wow, yeah. we're really getting inside now. To fast forward from there, right. you know, post college, I know you were back in Chicago, and you one of your side hustles is you taught. Um, yeah. And I'm also someone who's like had a side hustle working with kids, and I feel like that's a tricky side hustle because like there's moments where it's like oh, wow, this is really rewarding and this is giving me something. But on the other side of that, it's like, oh, shit, like 
I could see myself maybe getting stuck here. And it's like, I feel like people should, people, honestly, I feel like people should become teachers if they're going to become teachers for Mm -hmm. their entire life. Cause it's like, that's a whole damn career. Like, you know, obviously not everyone follows that. I don't even follow that. But like, um, did you, when did you kind of like get the feeling, you know, while you were doing your teaching that you were like, okay, I got to keep it. I ultimately got to keep it moving, you know, from here. Was it easy to kind of like check yourself in that way? Or did you just like book something and you're like, peace, I'm out. It all worked out, you know? No, yeah, I wish. It was, uh, it was a long, <laughs> I definitely got stuck. But I, I, I went into the whole job knowing that I was going to leave. Right. Because I went in being like, this is just money. I just have mm-hmm. to pay rent. I just have to like be able to afford these multiple nights of not, uh, you know, not making any money doing comedy. Right. But I, yeah, I definitely was not as dedicated as I would like, you know, my daughter's teachers to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, one of my daughter's teachers is like, I'm doing comedy. I'm like, all right, we're switching schools. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at all. <laughs> Because I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't as, I, I like definitely got into it too much where you're like, all right, when you start caring about the kids, that's when you're stuck, I think, right. yeah. which is, I mean, you kind of, kind of got to be a monster to not care about the kids, but right. I worked in the resource room too. So I was like with the kids with needs. So I would, I made a pact like, all right, the first kids I worked with, there was a particular group of kids I worked with who all graduated. Uh, they were all born in. I think 1999, they, mm-hmm. whatever year that was of school, I think they, they like, they're all 21 now, but mm-hmm. they, uh, those kids I vowed to stay with until they got out of eighth grade, mm-hmm. just cause that was like a personal achievement for me. I was like, once I see this class out, I am out of here. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, as much as I would love to, uh, I would jump around and I'd be like, yeah, but that class, you know, I'm working in the seventh grade group now. But that group is fifth grade, so I still got till they're in eighth grade to leave. Mm-hmm. I can't leave until I see them out of the school. As long as they're in the school, I'm here. That was kind of my mindset. So that definitely kept me there for – I was there 10 years, I think. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. It's tough to walk away from the golden handcuffs of the teaching profession. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're golden. I think yeah. they're like – I, they're probably well, right. They're they're probably the rust, what is it the rusted handcuffs. Of, of, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I had to leave. Yeah, I had to leave. I had to, I had to get into your own career. Uh, which, looking yeah. at now, I'm curious if you have a measure. If you, if you think for a second, how long do you think it was from when you started in comedy to when you really started to feel like people were checking for you? I mean, we kind of talked about the opening for Hamble, but like, give it, a, give us a, a time. Even estimate. that was like, because what I also love about Hannibal is he's not like one for handouts. So it's very much like even opening for him, I feel like I had to really work. Mm -hmm. I had like, if he's, if you're not funny, you don't open for him the next time. So it's like, and he's not, he doesn't even seem like a hard ass, but it's just like, you just know, like, I'm not going to fuck this up. Like I got to do. So there was all the, anytime I was opening for him, I was like really being like, damn it. I got to make sure I'm really funny. And then when I could tell when I was teetering, I would be like, all right, well, I'm going to go, work on my act again right. <laughs> try to get funnier and funnier. And I'm like, all right. And then I'll go back to like opening for somebody. And then it ended up being like, well, now I'm going to open for these other people who some of them are like, you know, canceled now, but, <laughs> 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 but, uh, 
that's why you don't get too close with people unless they're cool. But <laughs> right. You never know. Yeah. You, you never, never know. know. Got to me too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, man, when we hang out afterwards is how I can tell. Gerard Carmichael went home immediately after every show. I was like, this guy's going to make it. <laughs> right. This guy's not getting in any trouble. He's he's got his eyes on the prize. But but uh yeah, it was like uh I didn't even mention but the the fucked up thing with teaching and doing it at the same time is sometimes your videos are online. Oh wow, yeah. True. You and then you're like, "Fuck. Not only am I found out, but can't this like I talk about weed so much." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's cool kids like like uh, Victor, who you guys went to school with as well, right. when he would come back and see me, he'd be like, you know, I I know you smoke weed. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> Cut to, you know, what, last year we ended up smoking weed together. But it's like, <laughs> or was it two years? I don't know. Whenever he was like an adult and I was out of teaching, I was like, okay, now we can smoke. You right. and Nico can smoke. But... <laughs> Will Will Will's being Will's being coy about it. He uh, is largely responsible for the intellect of, of one Vic Mensa, nice. uh, <laughs> the seventh grade education of one of one uh, uh, rapper activist Vic Mensa. But okay, so it took you some. Obviously, it takes a, it's a long kind of arduous journey with a lot of different turns. Maybe some side hustles, different careers you're working on, but. You know, when I give your name a Google these days, it looks like you've been pretty consistently working since 2017. And that is dope. I mean, that's like such a dream situation. Obviously, you're talented, but that's not always enough. So, like, how have you managed to keep stringing together gig after gig working back to back? Because that I need the keys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I mean, honestly, I don't even know. That's (laughs) that's the weird part. It's like. I feel I'm always like I feel very lucky in a lot of that because it is like I know multiple talented people who, you know, are still not where they want to be. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I truly don't know how, how how it happened. But I do know that every time a job is about to end, I do freak out and have uh, I already have anxiety and OCD. So then it's like the minute that the I'm worried the bag is not going to come. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I got it's, it's done. It's done. That's it for my career. That's it. I'm done forever. And so then I like, I don't know, my brain does something weird where I'm like, all right, I got to figure out which meetings and like set myself up in these places. And I do check deadline every now and then. So I'll be like, deadline just said that this show got picked up. I sort of know the person who created it. I'll definitely know the company that made it. So then I'm like, well, let me have my agent and manager reach out to the company for like a general or something. Mm-hmm. So I exist again and that I'm writing still. And then I'm like, right. well, great. Now that they know I'm writing and I exist again, I'm going to put it in their court now to be like, Hey, I know you got a show coming up. You saw I got picked up. It didn't. Sometimes those are so late that it'll be like, get series order. And the, the writer's room has been going on for like 20 weeks already. Right. But sometimes if it gets like that first order, that pilot orders when I jump on it, like, all right, that pilot actually looks good too. Let me mm-hmm. see if I can jump on that show when it happens. Or like even Grownish, I reached out maybe three years before when I had right. no credits. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I looked at something that Yara said, like one of her speeches, and I was like, that girl is smart. Mm-hmm. So I know she's got, and her parents seem to like really be guiding her well. I was like, that girl is going to, whatever show she's got coming is going to definitely blow up because she's too smart and talented to not have it blow up so i was like you know hit up my agent like yo yo yo, 
Yara is a legend, soon to be. Like, she will be a legend in the long run. Hit them up. Let them know I'm interested from from the jump. And then it was like, she was on it from the time that I said that. So then it took, what, till 2019 for them to even... I, my script had gone through so many changes. My pilot my script or whatever that, that, that I had to send out. So by then I felt comfortable with them reading it again. So I was like, I don't even know if they read the first one at all because I was mm -hmm. nobody. But they read it then. And I was like, well, this has my jokes in it that you'll tell I'm funny and like, right. it felt like I got the story down at least a little bit. And so they read that one and then I had a meeting. And I remember I had I was at all that and I had to leave at lunch and pretend like I was just going to eat lunch somewhere. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we'll just go and all that. And Gronish were about five minutes from each other. So I just drove over there real quick, had the meeting and they were like, uh, do you have to go back to all that? I was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. We got about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get this job though. So, <laughs> but it was like, I was a, that was one of those where I was like, when they're seamless like that, that's when I feel like, all right, now I'm really comfortable when it's truly back to back yeah. like that. But other than that, there's always a month where I'm like super scared. Like right now, even where I'm like, right. <laughs> I'm like I don't know. I, fuck. How's this? How's my daughter going to eat? <laughs> the thing about this business too, is it feels so you don't feel successful ever. Yeah, because no matter what you do, it's freelance. Even though like somebody could work at a corporate job for twenty years, feel very comfortable rising in the ranks and stuff. But here, it's like now I can only go out as like a executive story editor, co-producer. Really, I should. Uh -huh. I'm only supposed to be going out as co-producer, and it's like, but yeah. how many co-producer jobs are there? Right. You know, I would be. There's probably more staff writer jobs, but I, I don't think I can go out as a staff writer anymore. And so that's scary. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, fuck, now I can't can't even go out as a staff writer. That means I'm not getting yeah. a lot of jobs. That's crazy. Right. It's like as you open one bigger door, many smaller doors kind of slam behind you. And the, the positivity, of, like your increased checkery actually lowers your opportunity and yep. raises the stress. Like yeah. what sort of maniacal system is this that we have signed <laughs> up for? Never. It never stops being a concern. All this shit is always like, damn it. Now I... Well, now there's these problems to worry about. Damn it. <laughs> right. It used to be different in like the 90s when you could, like you wrote for Martin season one. You're like, great, I'm going to rise at Martin. This shit's got mm -hmm. 10 seasons in it and I'm going to be fine. The syndication's going to pay for my kids' college. Right. And now it's like every episode, every show is, uh, you know, 10 episodes. Now it's like, now it's like, oh, oh, this, you write on a Netflix show? No, that's not television. That's new media, actually. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <sighs> uh, this month. And you get right. zero materials. It's like, damn it, that's not enough. I need more. Check me if I get out of line here, Will. But you are one of the few people who has managed to successfully shit where you eat. Your wife and baby mama, <laughs> Julie Rossi, is also a writer-performer. Yeah, now, yeah. Obviously, when one of you wins, both of you win. But is there like a competitive nature in your relationship? And if so, like, how did you manage those feelings before you were legally bound? Because... I'll be honest, like, if people start checking for Rachel tomorrow, I'm going to be so happy for her, but also hot. Like, uh, yeah. And we're not even married. There's definitely a lot of comp like competition for sure. But then I, when we started veering into more of our own lanes, like you got to just let, let the win happen. You know, like I've been writing and it's like the wins aren't writing for me. I'm going to let her, the, you know, the, I'm not even letting her. She's just winning in stand-up. So it's like, you know, now I just acknowledge like, okay, 
there's no reason for me to get jealous of any stand-up stuff. You know, she's in the clubs out here. She's doing the road and shit. I'm not doing anything. So it's, it's easier to definitely be happy then. And then the fact that we're not even going out for the same roles at all, it's like, well, let's just get all the roles then. And now it's even like, how do we make these, how do we get all the writing jobs and all the roles? Right. So our daughter is, is well fed, but it's like, <laughs> that's been the new model is like, all right, especially with pandemic. It's like, now we got to like figure this shit out as a unit. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think Mary helps that where you got to, you're more like, what's the unit going to bring in this year instead of how's my career going? I, yeah. Early, early on, it was definitely like, we both were like definitely striving to get our careers jump started. She was already ahead of me when uh, she had like a one woman show that was really popular and she had been like ECNY. She had been up for those and she had been doing stand up a long time. She'd been on TV and I had zero TV credits or anything. Like I did a Indiana public access stand up. Okay. Work it out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I drove to Indianapolis and did Morty's and then they put it on Indiana public access. I was like, this is a big credit for me. Back when Mike Pence was the governor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Either way, I felt uncomfortable, right? <laughs> as like, I do any time I'm in Indiana. <laughs> gonna be in, gonna be out. All right. Yeah. But uh, then it was like, you know, I watched her, and I remember she actually helped me with a lot of stuff because when she did her a commercial when we were starting out, she got home and she was like, I asked the guy why I uh, why I got booked for the commercial when you had all these other options, and the guy was like, Oh, I just thought you'd be fun to hang around. And that stuck in my head. So the next time I did like any commercial auditions, I was like, well, I'm going to get to know everybody in this commercial office. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get to know everybody. Like, I'm going to just be fun in my audition and see what happens. And from that, like, from that mindset on, it was like I booked a bunch of commercials. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, and I I had a good look, too. I was had a big afro and I was skinnier. But now I could never. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but it worked out. I was like, and I'm fun. Like I got the look. They they don't care how I act because it's a commercial. Right. But if I'm fun in this place, you know, they'll book me again, hopefully. I gotta I just stop on auditions with war paint on my face. Right. <laughs> or just with like, I don't even care. I've got I'm on punishment energy. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even care. I just got a Saturday school type face. You know, like don't do that, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they, wow. they just want to have they just want some and the same is true of writers rooms where they're like they just want to can they have fun with you everybody like so many people are good writers and then it's like well can we have fun with you in the room like, right do we have to worry about what we say not with me right. <laughs> i don't mean unless you say nigger but, right. <laughs> 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 but, like you know i don't care what you say at all you can make fun of anybody i don't care Right, yeah. As long, just don't use the words. Don't use any defamatory words, and we're fine. But I'm like, yeah, that works. I'll be fun. I'm fun. I'm a fun-loving guy. Yeah. That's been that's got me a long way. I think is being like, hey, let's have fun. Hey, let's have. That's you know, you're like <laughs> a camp counselor. You know, hey, let, it's we're it's one summer. Let's just have fun. And and you've been doing it. I mean, just like talking through your journey: Chicago, New York, now LA. Uh, which one is which one is which fa- which cities is your favorite? If you had to pick one, your favorite to like be doing what you're doing. Um, the only reason I'm not staying in Chicago because I uh, you can't recreate 
the stuff that we did in Chicago, where uh-huh. it's like we were, we were all, especially when you look at TV now, it's like none of us knew we were going to do anything. Right. Everybody who we all started with, and it's like, damn, you guys, everybody like really is doing their shit, but and you can't recreate that. So I wouldn't say Chicago for that reason, even though I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. But New York is definitely my favorite place to do anything, wow. <laughs> including live. So, okay, so you you you've obviously made a lot of momentum. There's more money, more problems, higher stress, less positions, but a kind of uh, more cloud and experience, which is all dope. But I'm curious if now that you've landed where you are, even though you can't recreate them, are there moments where you miss? like the knit and grit, no pun, shout out the knitting factory. Uh, the, uh, are there moments where you miss the knit and grit of your stand-up origins, you know? Of yeah, I miss or... knitting factory so much. Yeah. There's nothing like that. That was, uh, I mean, if we could recreate that, I would try every day. That was so much fun. Yeah. Even just uh, from the time Hannibal hosted and we were just going to do sets all the time, but it was like, that was the best. There's, I mean, because it's such a good crowd every week. Still is with the girls, mm-hmm. women. Sorry, but the women running it now—it's like it's still a great show, and I still love going to it. Even still, I just you know, pandemic is—it's yeah. not going on anymore. But I'm like, right. damn it, they were taking off. They—they they were more popular than us by yeah, far. It was busting in there like wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. wall. <laughs> so I'm like, I would love to just be a fly on the wall at their shit and try to do sets at their shit all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice. It, the the great caveat of, you know, turning the show over to them was cool. Now we get to do sets sometimes when we're in town. Yeah, <laughs> It's like awesome. But they, I mean, yeah, that show is unmatched. I don't think I'll ever be as focused on standup for, for a few years at least. Yeah. I look at it like Chris Rock and I'm not comparing myself to Chris Rock at all because he's great, but you're great, I can, Will. I can be a budget Chris Rock. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> But I know he takes like breaks from stand up to really figure out his life and then come back and be, go hard again. And the canceled comedian Louis did that too. And that always stuck in my mind. Where you're like, you know, that that's something you have to do. Cause he, a lot of people have kids and then they take some time off and then they come back even stronger. And it's yeah. like, yeah, all right. That's, that's the goal for me is like, you know, it might be 10 years from now, but I'll have some good jokes. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> Well, we we know you got to go probably check on that kid. But there is one question that we ask everyone before we get out of here. And that is, right now, what do you want people checking for from you? Right now, for my writing, watch all the shit. Well, I'm um, an episode I wrote of Gronish is coming out, I think, in February. Word. Uh, uh, And we're working on Southside Season 2. It'll be on HBO Max. Check that out. And then, uh, yeah, my wife and I will have some projects. Me and Rachel will have some projects. Maybe me and Cody will have some projects. Who knows? Hey. But, <laughs> but a lot of stuff is already in motion, and check for that when it when it comes out. There you go. Listen to the man. You heard it here. This has been Ain't Nobody Checking For Me. We had Will Miles today. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins, and we are out. Checking for me, checking for me.